Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. We had a great guest, Chelista. She is a great musician, and she plays the cello. And I'm very, well, I'm still very excited that you're about to hear our conversation. But I'm, was, I was very excited when, she, uh, when we scheduled her to come in because uh, she's just one of those uh, talented people that are in the community. And I never really got to know her. Just like most uh, great, talented people out here in San Jose. Like, they're all over the place. You see them. You pass by them at cafes or other venues. Really admire their work. When it comes to Chilista, she she has this very curly blonde hair that you just can't miss. So she really stands out uh, from the crowd. And uh, the it got off in a rocky start a bit because I fucked up. Um... Believe it or not, people, I am not a coffee person. I am very much a, a tea guy. I feel like I should make shirts about that. Just put a shirt that says Jorge M. Sanchez, the tea guy. Or just the tea guy. I don't know. And um, out of all the guests, uh, she's the first to ask for coffee. You know, it's funny. Like I really thought I'd prepare everything. You know, I got water. I got wasabi peas. I got beer. I got wine. I got liquor of all sorts. But never once had it crossed my mind to get coffee. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, you know, I'm sure my family drinks coffee. And I, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, my kitchen's a mess. And I really didn't know how to work the coffee machine. So uh, Chalista had to take over and she made her own coffee here. And, uh, I'm, well, you know, ultimately I'm glad she got the coffee that she wanted. But I, I was just very disappointed in myself and how I uh, did not know how to work the, the almost the simplest coffee machine. And there I was, juggling, struggling, trying to, uh, you know, make it look like I knew what I was doing, trying to, you know. And it just threw me off. I was like, oh, my God, I'm the worst. She came in, and she's probably like, who's this weird guy who can't even make coffee? Jesus Christ. This kitchen's a mess. <laughs> So uh, I learned my lesson. I, I'm going to train myself to become like a home barista and make sure it doesn't happen again and stuff like that. But nope, she is great. Um, I'm going to play a song before we get into our conversation. You can find her on Bandcamp. Just search for chalistabandcamp.com. And the song I'm playing is called Risking. And I'm not going to tell you because she talks about how she came up with the song. And it's really interesting how she came up with the series of songs she has on Bandcamp. Uh, fascinating stuff. So yes, Chalista. On other news, you might have noticed uh, that I have a new uh, logo. Yes, I'm very proud of it. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. People are like, wow, Jorge, the podcast looks so much professional. And you know what I wish I could take credit I wish I was like you know what yes I made that logo but no I did not make that logo instead a um a art student from San Jose State made that logo uh, her name is Katarina Taranev she is such a great person I've met her actually months prior we were both in an acting class and she she was such a sweetheart you know she she uh she would while the, the teachers you know teaching us about acting and how to you know the, the, the different methods uh, I would see Katarina she would be you know just sketching on her notepad and you look at her sketches and they were so beautiful like she knew how to sketch people 
very, very, like, I swear to God, she was like Leo DiCaprio from the Titanic. I don't know his character's name. Jack, of course. She was like Jack from the Titanic, the Titanic drawing like, you know, instead of French girls, she was drawing um, my acting teacher and other people. And it's just such a great job. And sure enough, down the road, you know, I'm doing this podcast. I sent a message out, you know, looking for a graphic designer. And she responded, and I was like, hey, yeah, I remember her, and she was a great artist. And uh, sure enough, the she came out with the logo. And the great thing about Katerina is that she actually does such a variety of stuff. The point I'm trying to make is she's such a great artist. Check out her stuff. Go to her uh, uh, website at katerinatadanev.weebly.com. She has a Gmail at katanev at gmail.com. I will post this on the Facebook page. So another good reason you for you to check out the JMS Podcast Facebook page. Because I really believe you should check out Katarina's work. And if you need any work, uh, because trust me, uh, a, a simple logo, anything, maybe an album cover. Uh, I think she's the person to talk to. I think she has a, a lot of great stuff to offer. So, Katarina Tadanev, shout out to you for the podcast logo, JMS podcast logo. Thank you very much. Um, I, I love it. I love it. It's so simple, and it's it's it stands out a bit, and I like it. And talk about social media. I'm not sure if you got the message yet, but the JMS podcast officially has its own Instagram, and it has its own Twitter. That's right. I'm no longer using my personal one. I got to admit, it was a little weird, right? You know, I think people were annoyed by it. Maybe, but now, you know, I'm trying to live that double life and keeping my life and this podcast separate, which is hard, you know, (laughs) but follow me or follow this podcast on Instagram and on Twitter and check out the pictures, check out any promos of my guests, you know, current guests or previous guests and stuff like that. So just search for JMS podcast on both Instagram and on Twitter. Um, if you're listening from iTunes or from SoundCloud or from any other podcast listening device, please subscribe. And most of all, rate me. No, rate me. Yes. I uh, hope that didn't come out the other word. Rate me. Uh, I could use uh, a good indication where I'm at with you guys as far as ratings and stuff like that. I mean, unless, you want, unless you're trying to say I'm shitty, um, please don't. Unless you really, really mean it. Unless, unless you like really feel like I'm doing such a shitty job, then tell me. But if you're a shitty person telling me I'm a shitty person, please don't. I don't know. Well, it's up to you. It's your life. Whatever. Uh, if you want to contact me for any reason, jmspodcast at gmail.com. Shoot me anything, any questions, anything, any feedback. I'll love it to hear all about it and stuff like that. Advertisements. If you want me to advertise for anything for you on this podcast, uh, the JMS Podcast Gmail is another great resource to use. I talk about promotions and advertising. It's not really advertising, but I really want you guys to check out Marty Murillo's latest endeavor. Marty Murillo was a guest on the podcast a couple months back. We had a great conversation. He is a talented musician, guitarist, songwriter. He is currently competing in a songwriting contest for Guitar Center. All he needs, I don't think he needs votes. I think he just needs you guys to check out his work and and maybe there's voting. I'm not too sure. I'm looking at the website right now and follow. Yeah, check out Marty Murillo, his his, uh, submission 
to the Guitar Center singer-songwriter. Just go to songwriter.amplifiertv.com and search for Marty Murillo. Um, or, you know, just find him on Facebook, Marty Murillo. Um, and if you ever heard of our episode where I had a conversation with him, you really should. And uh, he's such a great guy, nice guy. And he's one of those guys that his music commands the room. It really does. You just shut the fuck up and you just listen to what he's playing. And he, he's been helping me a lot when it comes to singing and vocals. Because, you know, I, I've, I'm really bad at singing. You know, I'm not the worst, but I, I always need improvement. And Marty Murillo uh, has been helping with that, me with that. And I very much appreciate it. And I would also appreciate it for you guys to check out his music at the Guitar Center Singer-Songwriter competition. All right. Let's get back to Chalista. Um, and before we get there, let's listen to her song, Risking. So uh, play the music, maestro. dogs cats are cool you, yeah uh if you had to choose between dogs or cats which one would you choose oh i don't make choices like that you take both i take none you t- what yeah that's a rough choice between a cat and a dog so you much rather have neither yeah that's pretty funny that's interesting okay because i think i would go for both would you I so, I so. have two cats and a dog. and So, you went with both, plus one? I love one. them, but they're a royal pain in the ass. Are they? Yeah. Which one's the worst? Oh, they're all. They're all? They're e- wonderful. They're equally? I think it's just like my schedule is so weird. And I'm mm. always like having to find like a dog sitter <laughs> or like get up early to like walk the dog and make sure she's got her exercise. What kind of dog do you have? She's a pug. Her a name's pug. Luna. <gasps> That's so cute. Yeah, she's pretty I'm, I'm such a sucker for pug. For pugs. They're like adorable. Well, my pug's cute, but they have health problems. I think that's the cutest part. It's like the health problems. No, yes, definitely. I think it's so cute that the life expands. 
Oh. Do you really give people wasabi to like while they're on the mic? I do. Do you know how loud that must be? That must be so loud. Loud? Loud. Loud? Yeah, when you crunch it. Oh. Uh, see, I used to give them peanuts, but then a lot of people have peanut allergies. So I go for, for wasabi peas and it gets a little loud, but listeners are like, you know what? I feel like I'm there when they're eating and they kind of enjoy I it hate, in some weird I'm way. weird. I have this thing about eating noises. Do you? Yeah. It like drives me nuts. Like I'll leave the It's like room. a pet peeve. It's not like, I mean, it's just, a, it bothers me. Like people, when they have weird eating noises, I'll have to like sometimes physically leave the room. Wow. I don't know why. How long have you had this? Since I was pet little. Peeve? Is is there a correlation with that? Is there a story behind that? No. Like you just like tra- traumatized by like somebody eating. I don't know. Some people just have very weird eating noises. Is it the clatter of of the metal utensils with the teeth? No, it's more like slurpy noises. It's weird. Oh, like soup. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. 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 I'm the messiest e- eater, so it's good to know. So in the future reference, if we would catch ourselves like you know. Somewhere, mm-hmm. I'll make sure not to eat in front of you. Thank you. I'll make sure very to, kind. I'll cover, I'll muffle the sound somehow. <laughs> I feel like a jerk. <laughs> Why? I think that's a uh, that's a reasonable pet peeve. I think uh, that's... Right, because you try to enjoy your food, and if somebody's f- fucking up that, you know, They're thing. kind of ruining my meal. Exactly. But I might be ruining their meal by being kind of like... What do you tell them? Hey, I'm leaving because you're annoying me the way you eat, or you just get up and eat. I mean, you get up and leave. I mean, I think I sit there and eat, and silently, like, I'm really unhappy. <laughs> so you, you're just giving the stink eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> horrible, horrible person. I'm concerned that the coffee's not brewing. We should go check on that. Okay. Let's go check on that. You got your coffee. I've got my coffee. Chalista has her coffee. Now. Yeah, my coffee. Thanks for having me over. Yeah, thanks for coming over and like putting up with my ignorance when it comes to making coffee and making your own coffee. No, I feel right at home. <laughs> I guess that's the that's the point. I want my guests to feel right at home. No, I do. Next time, I should just you know have them cook something next time. I don't know. Sure. Who, who knows who I have? Whoever I have you? next, hopefully, is a chef. What do you want to eat? Where? Here? What? What? See, we just talked about you having a pet peeve about people eat, uh, making I, noise when they eat. And usually I love eating food where I make noise and be messy. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with food that I eat with my hands. Like Ethiopian food? You know, I had a bad experience with Ethiopian food. How so could you really... ever have a bad experience? It's See, like the best food. That's what I thought. There's so many great Ethiopian restaurants around here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I heard. So I heard. Zinni. Zenny, where's that at? That's on Saratoga. Here's what happened. It was on Christmas. Uh-oh. Was it on Christmas? Yes. Uh. No. I don't, it was either on Christmas or New Year's. Point is that all the restaurants were closed. Uh-oh. And our friends from out of town. Uh-huh. And they're not really the, you know, spend time with the family kind of thing. So they're like, let's go do our own thing on Christmas. So we're like, all right, what's open? Only Ethiopian. And for some reason, I don't know, like... I, I've only been there once so maybe they're just having a bad day but point is like I really didn't or maybe my, my palate wasn't used to it don't know but point is we didn't really enjoy the, both the service or the food well Ethiopian food it takes a while to come out because they make it right there 
So mm. you have a long wait. But the point is, you go for Ethiopian food to have conversation with your friends. Mm-hmm. It's like a communal thing. And while you wait, sometimes for a while, you get to talk, right? Yeah. That's I don't know. That's why I like it. You don't find that experience in any other uh, dining experiences in restaurants where you sit down and talk? I don't think most restaurants don't have you wait that long for food to come out. Oh, so you actually enjoy the wait. Yeah, you, I think it's part of the like Ethiopian food experience. <laughs> that makes sense now. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, but I, I should probably go back and check it out. That's what I should probably do. Yeah, we could do that now. Now, Chelista, you you stand out a lot in the community. I've seen you around a lot, like for Scotty, like in really? the Sofa District. Oh, like I usually busk in front of Anno Domini. It's yeah, like my place. But for the most part, I've seen you at Friscotti. I've seen you at Kitchen Sessions. You, you look at me like 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 I'm stalking you. I'm not. No, no. No, no. no. Uh, but you've you've are very ingrained into the art music community here in San Jose. You know, and how's that been experienced with you so far? Like, since when were you like immersing yourself in the art community here? I don't know if I purposefully immersed myself, except that it's my community, so I want to be a part of it. Um, I moved here in 2010. Where um, from? Um, long story short, I'm originally from Colorado, but I'd been living in France for quite a while, and then um, I moved here in mm. 2010, so uh, yeah. I want to go into Colorado. Where in Colorado were you born and raised? So I grew up in a town called Longmont, Colorado. Is that near Denver? It's by Boulder. By Boulder? Okay. Boulder. Boulder. Yeah. Excuse my speech impediment. <laughs> Boulder. Not Boulder Creek. No, Boulder, where um, the University of Colorado is. See you, Boulder. Got it. I got a buddy over there. Makes sense. Okay. And yeah. were you studying music in well, Colorado? That's my home. That's my childhood home. Um, so I went to college at Metro State College of Denver, and I was doing a double major in political science and cello performance. And then um, I met my husband in Denver, but he's uh, he was on a postdoc um, studying, or not studying, but he was on a postdoc from France, and then his visa ran out. And we were in love, so I followed him to France for a few years. Wow. Got homesick. Uh, he transferred his job out here to San Jose. We're in France. Um, for a few years, we lived in Grenoble, which is in the Rhone Alps. And then after that, we lived in a small town called Antibes, which is between Nice and Cannes. Wow. Do you, was it hard to, uh, you know, culture shock from, like, Boulder to, like, the beautiful French... Well, then not really, because Colorado has a lot of great, beautiful scenery. Yeah, Colorado's beautiful. Yeah, so when I moved from Longmont to France, I mean, when I went to France, I spoke no French. And, um, I mean, immigrations, it's a, it's hard. It mm. doesn't matter where you, where you go. And uh, France is beautiful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I definitely struggled in France. I was very homesick. Um so yeah, we did that for a few years and then made the decision. Um, I'd stopped playing cello during that time. And at, just at some point, I realized I needed to be stateside again. 
Mm-hmm. And so luckily, Nico, my husband, was working for an American company, and their headquarters happened to be in San Jose, so it was an easy transfer. And you said you took a break from playing cello. Mm-hmm. What else did you get into? Um, while I was there, I uh, it was a difficult time. Um, you know, I... Uh, I was an immigrant, so I was on a carte de séjour, so just like a temporary visa. Hmm. Um, and it was hard to find work in France. It's interesting how the roles were switched with you and your husband. When he was in the States, his visa status was temporary, mm-hmm. and then you went to France, and your visa status was temporary. Yeah, so it's a renewable visa. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we moved here in 2010. and. I the first place I ever wandered in um, for the art scene was Collide Gallery downtown, and I played there a couple times and just really found a community in the visual art scene um, and lots of friends and people I admire and yeah hmm. I've always really felt that San Jose has probably one of the strongest visual arts scenes. I've really encountered um, the community is very strong, um, very forward thinking, very visionary. Hmm. What's your creative process like when it comes to writing music? Uh, well, I mean, I don't write music. You don't? No. So I consider myself, um, I'm a working musician. I get hired on. Um, I do a few solo things with looping. Um, I make, I like to do soundscapes and make textures, but I mean, I do some arranging. Um, I do the things I need to do to pay rent with music. Okay. So solo work in general does not pay. Um, so I really consider myself a session player. Okay, great. It's interesting. Um, so I guess the better question is, what are some of your inspirations then? For making music? In general, just in general. What what inspires you? What inspires me? I think the community I live in. Yeah, there's something very important about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that can't be understated. And I don't mean to pull out like the the term community over and over again, because that gets used, you know. Does it? A lot. But I mean it. I'm I'm fiercely devoted to my community, um, especially in San Jose, because San Jose has been, for me... um, foundational for me as a creative the community so I mean I'd taken that long break from cello when I got back to San Jose when I got to San Jose I started playing again I found myself a little home a little creative space so yeah uh, and is it specifically in the downtown area because I know San Jose has a lot of communities mm-hmm. and different art you know yeah people all over the place scattered totally well, so when I first moved here, um, I had this weird, funny story, but I was hanging out at Johnny B's, uh-huh. and uh, I was like, there's a band inside playing, like some jam band, uh, Rebels Camp, mm-hmm. and there was a cellist, and I was like, oh, damn, I love cello, because, you know, cello is the shit. So they took a break, and when I went outside, I wanted to go talk to this cellist. So she was just, like, standing against a brick wall, just taking a time out, you know. And before I even said hi, she was like, hey, are you Freya? And I was like, 
what? <laughs> That's so creepy. What? <laughs> um, so she, her name's Natasha Littlewood, but we'd been friends on MySpace since like 2005. So she, we knew each other virtually mm-hmm. for years. So my time in, I knew her in Colorado before I made the move to France. And then in France, we were like always kind of communicating. And uh, we we met on MySpace because our cellos were both named Cordelia. So like that just was like instant friendship. But at any rate, so when I got to San Jose and I was at Johnny V's that one night, um, she she remembered me. She like remembered my hair or something like that, like a picture of me. And she, so that was awesome. But Natasha actually got me into my very first rock band. And uh, that band was called Lords of the Manor. They're like this black metal band. Nice. Um, one of my favorite working experiences was definitely with Lords of the Manor. But, um, yeah. And what did Cordelia, you named your cello. Yeah. See, I just started playing music with, with the guitar. You know, it's the most popular one. But I, di- I, I didn't know that naming your instruments was a pretty... Uh, rite of passage to a lot of musicians to get some weird way intimate with their, with their instrument? I think it's just that when you're... For me, I do a music full-time, right? So you spend hours over your lifetime just yeah. so much time with your instrument, and it becomes very much like a relationship. So, I mean, some people name their instruments. Some people don't. It just... Whatever. I got my cello when I was 11. I wanted to name it. I named it Cordelia. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me a bit of what get into music. Was it your parents who got you into music? Um, let's see. Oh, it was the summer before I went into middle school. Um, you got to choose an instrument to learn in middle school, and I think a string quartet came into my into my school, and they were so cool. So. They were playing Beethoven string quartet, and I remember the cellist was like this six foot plus, like really lanky black guy, with a lots of hair and an eye patch, and I just thought like he was so fucking cool, and he's like playing cello, and cello's just it just it's so rich and it's beautiful and it's so full, yeah. and his name was Kevin, and I just thought God, he's so cool, and the cello's so cool, so of course. Did he really need the eye patch, or was it just part of the uh, performance visual? Like? Well, Beethoven doesn't actually call for an eye patch. No, he no. needed the eye patch. <laughs> he needed it. Right. I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, so I picked cello. So like years later, I I was like working. I think it was college or something. I had some gig, some Christmas gig, and Kevin was actually playing the same gig, and I was like, oh man this is so crazy. The guy who inspired me to start cello, we're playing a gig. We're colleagues. So I like went up to him and I was like, Kevin, I've got to let you know when I was 11, he's like, what? I came into your school and you decided to play cello. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Like, oh, man. He knows it. He knows it. He's inspiring people. It's called outreach. <laughs> I wonder how many people have the same story. How many jealous are like in the Colorado area? Or like, I started playing because Kevin was cool as fuck. 
So is there a big uh, string classical music scene in, in Colorado? Boulder, specifically? I mean, there's a that classical That question made music. no fucking sense. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, which what I'm trying to say is... <laughs> Is the classical arts a big factor in... Yeah. Colorado um, Colorado is a good place to be a working musician. They they do quite a bit of funding for the arts. There's a lot of organizations going on. Um, it's a good place. It's a good place to do music. Although I have to say in the Bay Area, I think it's... It's, it's hard to make a living out here. Um, I think people tend to do it more for hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does make it really difficult at times. But the thing about the Bay is there's a lot of magic going on in the classical arts where you're getting a lot of crossover. Because as a classical musician, you know, you've got to do other things. You've got to work with bands. You've got to you've got to do arranging. You've got to do a lot of things. So you're getting things like Classical Revolution. I think that was founded about eight years ago. They play chamber music in a bar in the Mission District every Monday night. And they've cultivated this beautiful scene with people who have learned to really love and appreciate classical music, chamber music. There's also the Awesome Orchestra Collective, so I work with them a lot, and that's an organization that's really near and dear to my heart. But they do very accessible open reading sessions where musicians come together, and they read through classical music, and they drink beer. And mm. It's very accessible. It promotes the classical arts. Um... You've got things like Magic Magic Orchestra, so they're classical musicians, but they're they're working with rock bands, writing out really good stellar arrangements, doing recording. So in the Bay, you're getting a lot of diversity and innovation in the classical arts. I don't see that as much in other places, so I'm wondering if this is sort of like we're on the cusp of something that will spread. Um, but yeah. Yeah, see, it's interesting, because uh, you moved in in 2010 mm-hmm. in the area, mm-hmm. so you really get a very objective um, view of the scene here mm-hmm. of the community as, as much as people who are born and raised here who a lot of times take things for granted yeah. and ignore it you know and I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of that uh, to a certain extent and and it wasn't until I really got into music with the local musicians here that mm-hmm. I, it really opened my eyes that how how vast diversity and opportunities are there for musicians yeah um Economically, I'm not sure in San Jose that that's really true. Um, unfortunately, I I do struggle to find work in San Jose. I do have to leave the area to get most of my paid gigs are outside of San Jose. Mm. I really wish that would change. Um, it's really tough. Um, and I think this is a story everywhere, but... I think because I'm so in love with San Jose, I want it to be better. Mm. Um, being a working musician in San Jose is hard. Yeah. It it either does not pay or it pays the least. Um, people do it for a hobby, and I feel like they are they don't value what they're doing, and that when they play for free, um, which we everyone everyone has to play for free at some point, but you're really you're undercutting. A mm. lot of people who are trying to implement, you know, a standard of pay um, that everyone should get paid for for work because doing music is it's work, it's hard work. Um, so, I think, yeah, I'm just really committed to San Jose. So sometimes I think I have a difficult relationship with it because I love it, and I think it's a complex relationship because I love it because I want it to be a better place. Um, 
and I see it becoming a great place for visual artists I think I think that's really happening right now really thriving I'm not seeing that so much for working musicians hmm. so what do you feel is the change that's needed for musicians to accommodate them better I mean that's so it's always so tricky because we all want to play we all want to make music together um simply paying people would be a start even something Mm. um i'm not sure if there's a real culture of working musicians in san jose so people may not be familiar with what a professional rate is or what goes into putting on a concert or you know there's a lot of factors so okay yeah i'm thinking because that's a very interesting um, view on that. And I, for the most part, I, I'm barely tapping into the music scene here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm learning a lot already. <laughs> well, I mean, doing, I mean, deciding to do music for a living is, it's tough. So being a working musician means a lot of different things. It doesn't, it means a lot of hours of practice. It means doing your own PR campaigns. It means, you know, doing all the work that goes into getting hired. It means hustling gigs. It means having a skill set that equips you to do a broad range of gigs. It means being really good at networking. It means a lot of different things. Um, when you're a classical musician, you also have a very complex relationship with with your instrument because there's an expectation of um, just having a high level, a high caliber of playing. So that means practicing and doing real practice. And it's hours. It's hours of work. It's it's emotional. It Music is a very, very hard field. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, you know, it can break you for sure. It's just very hard and the hours are not nice. They're not good hours. And, uh, you know, I think week to week, I'm logging about 65 to 70 hours of work a week. So, but if, you know, if I calculate my hourly, ooh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's tough. You've got to be really flexible. What was the point we decided to, to cross over to being a a working musician? Not just, I'm, I'm, I'm making music as a hobby or I'm making music. It's more like I want to be this a full fledged career. Um, well, I think like the year I got here in 2010, I, I, um, I got back into taking cello lessons. I got back into pretty much trying to practice in a professional way. So that's at least three hours a day, at least. Um, and then I made the decision to go into graduate school for cello performance Um, And at the same time, I was starting to get booked on a more regular basis with bands just coming in. And I realized because of my classical background that I could come in and I didn't need rehearsal. I could come sit in. I could write out arrangements. I could do a lot of different things. And I just kept getting more work. And at some point, it seemed clear that I wanted to just do this as a career. Hmm. So it seems like San Jose is a place to incubate your craft yeah it's a good incubator it's a good safe place to to start to just Um, collaborate yeah work on your craft and then but when once you want to go you know 
professionally, the opportunities are just not there. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I think there's opportunities as far as paid opportunity, like with rates that reflect the work that you do. Um, I'm not finding that many opportunities. I do tend to find those opportunities in San Francisco and East Bay and LA. Yeah. Um, here, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe there are other musicians who are having a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That's a, that's a field to, it's a lot of, not just music, but any art you should get into is showbiz, or not showbiz, but the business of mm-hmm. your art. That's an industry, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, for me, writing, I still don't know what rates. You know, I just got asked to adapt a novel to a screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know how much they charge these people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's tough. Um, well, I think the nice thing about music is uh, it's an industry, so there's a lot of components that go into music. So I find it to be art-making, music-making is a viable economic model that I really feel most businesses could stand to learn from because it's highly collaborative. Mm. It's very self-sustaining. It does not take too much funding. Um, it, it, the way it can bring people together is amazing, but also just the depth of our networks. Um, there's so many components that go into art and music making that economically, like aside from aesthetics, because I'm not really... I'm never that interested in talking about the aesthetics of music. Um, I, I wish there was more conversation actually in San Jose about art makers and music makers and what we do for a community economically because mm. I think it's huge. Yeah, especially now we're talking about visual artists. There's a, a more push to get murals on yeah, buildings. Yeah, with Exhibition District, which has been doing a great job, and I love the murals. Which is beautiful, because I'm living here, it's like, for the longest time, all we saw were bland walls. Yeah, beige. <laughs> right? And now it's like, you know, like it's there's beautiful. there's one on Santa Clara and, and First of the giraffes, and... Uh, and oh, yeah, yeah, on uh, Anno Domini, or on Lido. Lido. Lido, yes. Yeah, so that's by Anno Domini. Um, and it's, it, it really enhances the environment. It does. It's beautiful. Well, when you think about what goes into doing a mural and how many people something like that can employ, it's wonderful. When you think about putting on a concert or an event and the amount of people an event can employ long-term, it's amazing. Hmm. Do you feel, since we're in Silicon Valley, the tech field overshadows the art scene a bit? In what way? Well, for one, when people think of art, you know, they should be thinking of San Jose because I do feel we have a lot of great artists here. Uh-huh. But instead, they think of uh, oh, you mean Tech. outside of our community? Exactly. Um, yeah, they probably do just think of it as a tech hub. Um, yeah, I've always, I mean, for me, I always thought of it as once we moved here. I mean, I just thought it had a rich art scene. Um, I kind of. I'm not sure. I, I really think people don't know that much about our visual arts scene. But I think they will. <laughs> I want to I move into about you and music. What kind of music did you grow up with? Mm, all kinds. Um, I mean, I'm... My parents listen to like Bob Dylan and whatnot. Um, I, my, my training is classical. Um, 
I'm really open though. I'm really Are open. You? Yeah, because like, I'm I'm a session player. I like want to do every genre. There's something my favorite genre, like to me, the most innovative genre out there. Period is hip hop. Hip hop. Because when okay, so like doing session work, what I found is like you do the indie rock thing. You sit there with your cello, and it like sometimes you'll find a great band that you just fucking love. I used to play Doe Eye a lot. Just loved it. But um, a lot of times you'll just sit there and you're playing like these long whole notes, just kind of droning. But hip hop, fuck. So hip hop is so, there's room for string players. If you listen to like old disco and stuff, right, because it's kind of stemming from that, like the licks from their classical, from the string players that Mm -hmm. are on there, you know, those are fucking hard licks. Those are good. That's real playing. Like, so when you get a hip hop gig, you're going to be working your butt off. It's rhythmically interesting, harmonically interesting, and there's space for your string players to play. It's great. You just opened a whole new can of worms now, though, because hip-hop has different itself. Yeah, like, it has Universe. Different... Yeah. So, and it seems like it makes sense that classical strings would would mix well with any of these universes, whether it's, you know, back to the hip-hop days of NWA or, mm-hmm. or Dr. Dre to yeah. current ones. Yeah. Hip-hop's super innovative. I've always... Yeah, I love it. Sorry. I work with a beatboxer called MC Infinite. Mm. And, uh, I mean, gigging with him has been so much fun. I just... I love hip-hop. I love hip-hop. Is Chilista considering having a, a... Dropping a rap album soon? Well, I don't know. I could do that. I'd be down with that. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be interesting. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, I just do a lot of different genres, and I th- I see things as interchangeable. Mm. Um, so what is about hip-hop that resonates with you the most? Oh, the truth-telling in it. I like political hip-hop. Oh. That's the best. I don't see any other genre making political statements the way that hip-hop has, like, consistently has. Um, it's It's... Truthsayers are in hip hop, um, witnesses to to what's going on in contemporary culture. They're in hip hop. The collaborative nature um, of a hip hop session of a like a cipher. Um, I love it. Mm. I love it. I think I love it. <laughs> and it, it seems it's rooted in your activism. Um. Just in the sense of the truth-sayers, and, and they're willing to call out the bullshit when they see it. Mm-hmm. Well, Especially yeah. when it comes to politics, when it comes yeah. to... Well, I guess I really see art makers, music makers. We we are political agents, whether we want to be or not. Ah, so um, music is politicized. Music is political. It is political. Yeah. Music makers are political. That's interesting, because you double majored, right? In, in political science and music. I did. I didn't. Yeah, I did. What was that about? Like, were you trying to be a lawyer or, or, no, or political science? No, I just really enjoyed political <laughs> science. It, like, it just across the field, political science. Is there a certain field that you're more interested in? I had really enjoyed uh, constitutional law. Constitutional. I'm so weird. No, yeah, that's like I just loved it because you you'd have all this reading. I love reading. And then you'd write these briefs, and I just love writing. And it was just this, like, critical thinking skills employed. I loved it. Um, yeah. 
yeah constitution it's a lot of interpretation yeah know? it's uh, beautiful but it's to me it's the way when you analyze a piece of music in school like there's so many different ways to look at a piece and like what is this chord function what does it do or like what does this case mean <laughs> how is it relevant to the past the present yeah there's a precedence with this case yeah it's yeah, awesome like though that. this is all like critical thinking skills that are you know great and you do not think about going to the courts with this like law or anything like that no 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 um not at all I just enjoyed it I don't know I think I was in college and I just wanted to do it I did not finish my degree I actually finished I dropped out of college to go to France and get married <laughs> and I actually I left with only six units left for my to complete everything and I ended up graduating um, at an online college called Excelsior College. Excelsior. Yeah. But it, the thing was, with my life, living in France, doing all that, the online college thing made sense. And yeah. the bulk of my credits are from Metro State. Wow. Um, but I, you know, And talk about France. Sorry to interject. Um, yeah. That was so rude of me. But but you just got me excited of a thought right now. Because mm. you, you went from constitutional, studying constitutional law in the United States to France where the, their body of government politics is a little different. Okay, yeah. Which is funny because a lot of our quote-unquote republic democracy is based on the French. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating, don't you? I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool that you went from both countries and you kind of lived in both uh, government, political... Well, what was interesting about living in France, so I lived there, um, I-, I saw... During that time, Barack Obama was elected. So watching, it was eye-opening to see see the media coverage through a French lens, to see your like your country of origins political process being unveiled by a French media was incredible. I think everyone, if they if anyone has an opportunity to go abroad for a while, to like learn about your country from another country to see it through a different lens, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, you know. I, I feel that the truth is the same, vice versa. I have, I have a lot of international friends. Mm-hmm. And when they come here, they see their country through yeah. American eyes. Yeah. And a lot of times, it's not the most prettiest uh, view on their own country. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but That's be, important. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but they're like, hey, when I'm over there, we don't really think about the stuff you guys watch on TV about our country. Right. Like, we, we are living lives. Yeah. Well, there's lots of stories about everything about every subject about all topics so you know it's it's great it's eye-opening it's just a general it's nice to have the awareness you know of other people's point of view um it's great Uh, yeah that's very important to to let leave room for for really getting to know a person and where they come from as opposed to judging them based on what you've been told about this specific group whether it's political group whether it's Musicians are yeah. like, oh, she's or he's a hip hop artist, and there's mm-hmm. some stereotype to that. But yeah. the, you know, the truth is is far from fiction. Yeah, totally. That was a weird tangent, wasn't it? No, keep going. Keep go- <laughs> You've got so much liquor on that <laughs> fridge over there. I'm a writer, of course. Uh huh. <laughs> Do you want any? No. no. Are you, are you just admiring it? No, I'm no? just impressed You're by concerned? the vast array of vodka, yeah. tequila. My Swedish friends introduced me to vodka. Wine. Um, uh, 
do you drink usually or uh it depends not really no i mean i i love beer i love an ipa um once in a while it's nice if i have like a day off like the night before to have a few too many beers and hang out with friends how about let's talk about alcohol and music alcohol and music good mix no mix gray if it's a working gig no (laughs) of course (laughs) if it's music with friends you're just like hanging out reading through some chamber music with a bunch of buddies yeah yeah (laughs) yeah god classical musicians are probably the biggest freaking lushes i've ever been around really period and i've done like all of these bands and stuff and like all across the board classical musicians are not classy <laughs> at all <laughs> do you feel like there's a an over glorified almost view on classical musicians like in a sense like oh you know he's classical he must be full of panache and full of or a real big douche no big um, douche or that or that yeah no well i in the bay i think that's kind of shifting um I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I kind of judge them depending on person by person. Mm-hmm. But I do have friends who are like, oh, you know, classical musicians. They're cool. Or something like, nah, you shouldn't. You know, everybody has their own way of view. Everybody. You know, mm-hmm. for me, like, I'm still learning. So I'm, I'm coming in, in the folk genre right mm-hmm. now. And me, I love the blues. Yeah. You know, and, and so people are like, oh, you know, Blues players are always depressed. Are they? Is that why they're singing the blues? <laughs> Possibly. But the thing about the blues is maybe it's, I see it's the same way you see a hip hop, is they sing about cutting through the bullshit. It's not, it's like, hey, yeah, we're sad because whatever, you know, we're working long days, where the fuck they're talking about? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like some pop that's about, you know, happy go lucky. That's stuff. okay too. Um, I don't want to knock pop because there's nothing wrong with a great pop song with a great hook. Oh, if it's great. If anything's great, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, classical musicians. I don't know. They've, we we have issues. <laughs> don't we all? I mean, we have issues? the life is kind of... The life of a classical musician, I mean, <laughs> it's it's weird. It's, it's a hard life. Um, you know, it's a lot of scrutiny by your, by your peers and your colleagues. There's just... It's a very, very competitive place um just the things you go through sometimes as a classical musician are very (laughs) questionable um it's a culture that's it's an old culture and it's hard i don't know it can be real rough really rough yeah um i think it's changing but there's some holdover. I mean, I've I've gone through my share of very harsh teachers, um, and the things people can say um, during master classes or just during lessons or, yeah, it's 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 a pretty. It can be quite nasty. I've got to say, <laughs> it can be. Wow. The Bay is a great place though to be a classical musician. I think that there's more of a culture of acceptance and inclusion in the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, classical music, whew, it can be rough. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, 
I think some people like jazz. I hear a lot of jazz, jazz musicians are hard that. with themselves and with others. Oh yeah. And I guess maybe there's that correlation of when a type of music has a lot of history and tradition in them. Mm-hmm. There's that that the idea of I have to keep up with these standards. Right, except the standards are so high in this day and age. I mean, everyone is an excellent technical player. I mean, like I think. I'm sure just even since the 50s, the caliber of player that's out there today is just so high. It's, it's, you can't keep up. Um, I, I am not the most technically sound cellist. Um, what I'm good at, though, is being pretty easy to work with, being flexible, um, being willing to take risks, doing things with different genres. Um, you've you've got to just work really hard all, all the time though mm. really really hard because there's always someone better yeah and there is no way to keep up so yeah 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 i mean all right i want to move on because you have you're working on it currently on an album oh yeah tell me a bit about your album How, how's this <laughs> how's this different from your previous um uh, i don't have any other albums. oh because i checked your band camp and, oh, and yeah. i assume that was your album Oh, the okay. So, what's on Bandcamp? I should explain that. So, that that was a long track. That was a twenty-minute track. That was just one. Long. And that was just an improvised track. So, I was having a horrible day the day <laughs> I recorded that, and I do these things called structured improvisations. So, I had been working on a on a piece for a few months based on a painting um, that I had seen at Anno Domini mm. by a painter called Jennifer Caviola. What was in this painting? You should go check her out. <laughs> Is it currently on exhibit? It's being exhibited right now? No, but if you go online, it was just a picture. She does a series called the Bride Series. So, um, so I'd played at her exhibition at Anno Domini. At any rate, I was sort of creating a piece based on a particular painting, um, and I'd been working on it for a few months, and then one day, I, I don't know what happened, I was just having like the worst day, it was just a horrible day, and I remember I um, I just wanted to go play somewhere that was not at home, and I wanted to be left alone though, so I called up the owners of Anno Domini, mm-hmm. Brian and uh, Sherry. Cherry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I just need to play, <laughs> please. <laughs> and uh, they were like, come on over. And mm. they just opened up the gallery. And I had my Zoom recorder with me. And I was just like, I just had to get it all out, whatever it was going on that day. And a lot of the structures I'd been working on for the past few months with that painting came out during that 20-minute improv. And... Um, then I decided to cut it up into like what five tracks for I don't know I just cut it up into different parts and put it up online so <laughs> you may be having a shitty day but that was a, I like I enjoyed your music thanks Um, so this is your first album you're working on the one I'm working on ca- currently yeah how's that coming along oh it's fine I'm I used to play with a band called Doe Eye um, so the Doe is the moniker of Miriam Caduce, and right now she is my producer and engineer, and which is really exciting because I used to be her session player, 
her session cellist and now we get to work together again in a really in a really different kind of work setting where I'm creating music and she's producing so it's it's crazy it's crazy and these are songs that you've worked on now you say you don't write songs before I don't so, so how does that work yeah some of the stuff I'm doing is like improv in the studio um, I, isn't that a form of creating your own music when you're improving though yeah it is I guess my creative process is I'm gonna come up with a basic structure and make something happen from it like that's, that's so ballsy but um, that's like a standard comedian working on a special on material he hasn't tried out yet yeah well you have such great courage I don't think I can even do that uh, oh my god well I think the thing is my my realization is like when you do solo music when you're doing this like I'm a solo artist there's there's I don't know there's no money in that right <laughs> there's nothing like no one makes money doing that you make money by doing everything but that right so I figured for this album what I want to do is one I want to do a solo album because I want to do one secondly there's a lot of people I want to collaborate with like long term so people who are on this album are people I hope that I continue working with for a long time um, the album's something very good to hang over their heads like hey remember when we worked on this before let's keep it going well and I like collaborative process so I did that installation in 2014 for Sub-Zero with a visual artist named Tulio Flores so it was just a very like very small mini immersive theater setting where I is it the one with the cage yeah I was not there but to this day people tell me about it yeah when I told people like friends of mine that you yeah. were coming on this podcast they uh -huh. got so excited mm -hmm. like oh my god you're getting uh, Freya 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 I'm so sorry Freya <laughs> slash Chilista on your podcast I was like oh yeah great you must have seen her I was like yeah I saw her at the cage I saw her in that art installation <laughs> Right. So, like, people know you as, as being that, that cellist in, in the yeah. cage. Yeah. That was such a... I mean, so a lot of the album is stemming from that. So, part one of the components of that installation was I took a lot of receipt cards, like tags, and as people walked by, I um, they would sign these receipt tags with, like, a thought or a memory or just whatever they want and then tie them to the cage mm. so after the installation was done um i came home with oh my gosh i think i have more than 600 tags i'm not sure i i just now started kind of like archiving them um but people left really i mean they left funny things they left sad things they confessed um it was really it's amazing to go through it it's this whole archive of like people just walking by and sharing with me mm -hmm. and so what I'm doing with the album is I t at, at chance I took six receipt tags out of my bag of hundreds <laughs> and I gave six of the receipt tags to David Perez the poet laureate of Santa Clara County and I said can you write a poem with these as prompts? And um, he did. He he wrote this beautiful poem. And so I, I have that poem on my album right now as spoken word over me playing cello and my beatboxer, MC Infinite, providing my rhythm. 
and a wonderful singer-songwriter called Ricardo Parasol reading the poem and a friend named Alvin Rivera also reading a poem. So I'm very, I'm, I think in hip-hop style, I'm very collaborative like that. Mm. Like, I'm not looking to be, like, out there as, like, just a jealous. I just, I like bringing people together and seeing what arises from the collaborations. Fascinating That's stuff. how I work. And so that's what I want to do with the album. It's just, I hope that the intention is with this album, everyone who's on it, everyone who comes into it, I hope that something arises from it. When is this album due to come out? Um... There's no set date. I'm hoping by fall, you know, I hope. Next fall? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm working on a big installation for February. Um, that's sort of taking, that's the priority for me right now. Um, that's based on my research work as a musicologist on the French composer Olivier Messiaen and his uh, chamber work, the quartet for the end of time. So right now I'm everything's kind of going into that and I'm I'm deep in the rehearsal and research process right now so the yeah hmm. I'm not familiar with that French composer Messian um I guess the story is he wrote this seminal chamber work the quartet for the end of time which is for a piano clarinet violin and cello and he he wrote it during World War II when he was a prisoner of war in Silesian Germany um and during his time in the in the camp, he he wrote this piece. And he at at the camp there were three other musicians, which is the pianist, the clarinetist, and the violinist. So of course he he wrote it for this very odd instrumentation, um, and it's based on his devout Catholicism, the Book of Revelations. Um, it's a highly wow Armageddon. Well, it makes sense. He wasn't in prison or But camp. that's the thing, though. It's not about that. It's about the transformative power of music and seeing in the book of Revelations, I think what he's indicating is along with like the cataclysms of destruction and whatnot, there's also beauty and light and rainbows and angels and things are richer than just black and white. Things are more complex than that. It's not about the historical narrative of this piece that he was, you know, rooted in this like prisoner of war camp. It's so ominous. It's so it's beyond that. It's richer than that. Um so the piece is aesthetically it's it's incredible. It's quite a character. Were you introduced to him while living in France or did you knew about him before? Oh, he's a composer that you just as a musician you He's you're bound to come across. Yeah, in contemporary um, classical music, yeah, he's he's a prominent figure. I just it's so interesting that he developed this this music while being prisoner of war. Yeah, I mean he. It's a whole new meaning to hardship breeds creativity, you know. Yeah, but he was always a creator, so I think he would have created it. I think it, at the the thing with the piece is it gets buried in its historical narrative. So people, so as soon as I told you it's in prisoner of war camp, right? He wrote it. That's the first thing, right? You you attach that yeah. to it. This piece is more transformative than that. It goes beyond just the horrible circumstances in which it was created. It's more than that. The art goes beyond that. So it's important in looking at art to to realize like the rich aesthetics it has. That it's more than just one story. There's yeah. lots of stories because also in this piece, just compositionally, it was it was incredible. It was groundbreaking. It's a seminal chamber work. 
um, it's important for music theory. So it's the richness of the piece that I'm exploring right now. Very fascinating. I personally see some resemblance of you on that day of having a shitty day and you want to record something. (laughs) And you're just... but. When people don't know that you had a shitty day, you just assume like, "Wow, this mm-hmm. this is great music. This yeah. is yeah." And it's like that guy. Like if you didn't know he was a, a prisoner of war at the time, like nowhere you correlate that. You're like, "My God, look at this music. It's mm-hmm. great." But yeah, I mean, everything has a story, right? Um, I think good art goes beyond its story. Um, it goes beyond its birth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, good art does that you know bad art sometimes i don't know depends eh. <laughs> i don't know i mean it's, it's aesthetics here i'm not i try to not it's all subjective do you know? that yeah. too much like what is art i don't who cares <laughs> there should not be a definition for art well yeah all right well we're heading towards that one hour mark we usually start closing up uh we're good we're good i don't know we're good um, so far yeah, maybe visit me on my website. There we go. Let's start. Where, where can people catch your stuff? <laughs> they can hire me. I'm available for hire. <laughs> I can transcribe your synth lines, sit in with your band. I require a little rehearsal. I like to make music. <laughs> I can put together an orchestra for you. <laughs> where can they book you? Chalista.net. And your music on Bandcamp? Can people check that out? Of course. So, just search for Chalista. That's what I did. And I found Chalista.bandcamp. Something, right? <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like it's been a while since you've been on there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It has been. Not, I guess that's the thing, though. I'm just like, I'm not a solo artist or anything like that. I'm a working, I'm a working musician. <laughs> so I'm just about hustling gigs. <laughs> that concept of working musician, I'm still trying to wrap around. You know, it's like, Wait, you get paid for this? This yeah. is awesome. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 that thought I had when when I started writing, when I started poetry, when I started yeah. uh, stand up, all this stuff. Like I meet people. It's like you said, you get inspired by the community you're in. Yeah. That's what happened to me. But I'm like, I see people who are doing this as a career. Yeah. Like, how do you do it? They decided that they should get paid for the hard work. They decided. It's like like you make a decision. And me, I'm so insecure with my work. I'm Too like, bad. I shouldn't. And, you have to. But. There There's ha- an accountability that comes into it, though, as soon as you decide to to charge, and that's that can be really intimidating. Maybe that's the bottom of it all, at least yeah. for me, is the responsibility that I now yeah. have to give them. And I think that's why a lot of people sometimes play for free, because as soon as you start charging, you got to be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do the work. It's work. <laughs> all right, before we head out, I want to do a subject, because you, you, for the first time, you, you put in some weird, uh, some interesting way, a request to talk about a subject on Twitter, which is puppies. You mentioned puppies. I love, oh my God. So let's talk a bit about puppies before we head out. I did make that request. Which no, which is fine because lately, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's hormones with me right now. Are you on your... I don't know, maybe, <laughs> because you know, I know a lot of friends who are women, like there's a time where they see babies, like they're single and they don't have babies. When they see babies, like, I want a baby oh, so bad. Yuck. Yuck! You, don't, you, you love puppies, but you don't like babies. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Is that bad? Is this gonna come haunt me later? I don't want kids. Yeah, join the club. But 
the thing is for me I'm unless it's Snoop Dogg's kid I would totally have his oh, litter you gotta think for Snoop's litter if you go on <laughs> if you go on Instagram yeah the I de- I recently this is so bad I deleted everyone I was following except Snoop Dogg oh my god Snoop Dogg what's the story behind that there's no story I just I think I really I this is it's gonna be so creepy <laughs> it sounds so like why I just really like him and from the because all his work throughout because there's some of his work I didn't really enjoy it doesn't matter doesn't matter all can of it? do what he wants yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I put together a Snoop fake Dogg, band. puppies. I think I see a theme here going on. So I put together a fake band ones, which actually did pretty well because all my joke projects do well. I don't know why. And so <laughs> I got together with my friend Josh Ickben, who's a great arranger and guitarist. And we put together a band called Joey Ramon. Nice. And I guess he was our favorite Ramon. And we were like, we're just going to do covers. And so one of the first covers we did was like Gin and Juice. Just for cello and acoustic guitar. Because why wouldn't you? Please tell me you recorded it. Well, actually, if you go on SoundCloud, I think there's links to us doing a cover of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Right, but come on, gin and juice. I should put that up. I gotta hear that one. Oh my god. That was such a joke project, and now we just, like, book, like, corporate gigs and stuff and <laughs> weddings. And it be, it's, I guess people want to book Joey Ramone for their event. You know... <laughs> Maybe that's what's going to break it, is, is these joke projects. Who knows? My other joke project was called Trio Menage. Uh-huh. Nice. And um, <laughs> that was just like sort of a I what I thought was just like a kind of throwaway thing, except then I started getting booked. And so that was like classical violin and cello and beatboxer. And so we got flown out to Portland to play the Deschutes beer machines with Vaudevere Society. And... Um, that project did pretty well for a while too so my joke projects do really well <laughs> there's something to said about that there's something I said about <laughs> when you do something for fun or for an effort like without like a little effort that yeah. you would something serious yeah people resonate with that more for some reason yeah probably you, well I did I put together know. a really really fake project called the other cheek and I did this with my friend Leonista she doesn't play any instruments, but I made this whole like Facebook page where uh, I like made her hold my cello and I and we were like two cellists and like I would try to book us gigs, but like uh-huh. she doesn't play anything. <laughs> <laughs> and like people were like <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's fake because I think it up it's, until it's, now it's still going on. People maybe think that it's a real band. So but, so how'd you guys do it when she got booked? Well the, our thing was that we was would it, no our thing was like we would never we would always find some reason why we couldn't make the gig <laughs> like get yeah, too many gigs and then my goal was i yeah. was like i want to get booked for coachella and oh then, my god and then we wouldn't be able to play it and i remember even like i think i think i even got i wanted content magazine to like review us uh-huh. or like you know just like create this whole like every we would have everything real except we would never ever play a show and we would never have music and i just wanted to see how far it could go that's fucking amazing but now i just blew it because i just gave it you away so it's cover. over no who knows maybe people will listen to this and be like you know what i want that musician who's not a musician to put my birthday party and be rejected that's like the highlight i know <laughs> i know 
Like, people were, like, I made a Facebook fan page. People were liking it. They were excited about it. And I was like, oh, my God, they know she doesn't play anything. Like, what? you? <laughs> That's something else to talk about, about social media and how much you can, like, create, you know. And- oh, I think social media is, like, the best thing a working musician can have. I mean, I get hired all the time just by, it's free PR. Free PR. Yeah. Dude, I just got into Twitter and. Milk it. Instagram, it. Instagram. Milk it. Milk it. <laughs> Learn how to write press releases. I'm not very photogenic. I don't think I could do Instagram that so much. So don't put Twitter, photos maybe. of yourself up. Of other people and say that's me. Make a fake band. Make a fake band. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a genius, Freya. A genius. I just think it's, it's sort of a jerky thing to do, though, huh? And like to have a conversation. When people are like, how, how is it? How is What's your music like? And you just feed them like, oh, lots of adjectives. <laughs> It's so not, bad. It's not jerky. It's, it's it's sort of funny. It's funny. It's kind of dick-like, right? Mm. A little douchey. Like I, I I'm one-upping you because I, I, I know that, like, maybe in your in your mind, you know, like I know the secret and you don't. But I don't see. Really? It's pretty harmless. I don't see how that's gonna hurt anyone's feelings. We just. I thought that we both looked pretty good in the photos, and I think that like. <laughs> Leonisa, she's like a really beautiful, really beautiful model. And so she looked really good holding a cello. And just... and she just not want to pick up music? She just... I mean, I don't think we ever intended to ever, no. like, do anything. We were just like... Like, she was like, hey, I look pretty good in the part. Why not just try it? I don't... Or would that kill the entire project here? If she actually did get into music? I would fire her. <laughs> <laughs> the end of her career of her musical career well josh and i for joey ramon i'm always quitting the band i think i've quit like 30 times or so or like else in i'll the fire him i'll fire him on stage <laughs> in the middle of the performance i just yeah. quit it's pretty funny oh no oh my god i'm so over this i'm out bye <laughs> <laughs> you never come back for the show I had a show at the makeout room the other day, and I I kind of do like a stage thing where Josh just like shows up and crashes my set, like oh, who's this? Mm-hmm. But um, and then I'll just let him play and I'll like leave and get a beer. So he can the, the audience is like, what's going on here? This is weird. Yeah, and I think they like it because it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's strange as hell. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like a David Lynch film, where like in the middle of the film, he completely changes his his. Ma- protagonist cast wait how did you know i was like trying to rip off david lynch are you I didn't... did you go on my last instagram there's this picture of me at the makeout room i'm like no channeling david lynch with my I, I swear to god stop i did not being creepy what stop it <laughs> stop stalking stop okay. it no uh damn fine i, I love david lynch I, I you know it's he's like one of my biggest inspirations like I, artistically I, I really like david lynch he's so weird that's where i found the correlation is like he made a film with holland mm-hmm. drive that's the, a great film. in the middle of the yeah. film it's okay like, why not it's like a different actress you know like, yeah. it, like, i remember the first time i see it's like wait is this the same movie what's going on but you know it's awesome blue velvet is oh my god twin Peaks. high fucking five five blue velvet another one that's a great film but what about watching fire walk with me when you're just like by yourself and scared. I can't watch any of his films by myself. They're frightening. <laughs> but I love Twin Peaks. I own the whole series. I think I have it in my collection somewhere. I mm. have it in my collection. Yeah. 
That's like my favorite series. I want my life to be like a big episode of Twin Peaks. Lots of pie and coffee. <laughs> and Creepy Laura people. Flynn Boyle yeah. being super obnoxious. Um, there you go. God, that's such a great series. I remember I was really homesick in France and I'd like watch it and it made it all better. I just love how you just spaced out and took a drink from your coffee. It's all better. David Lynch. So he loves noise music, mm-hmm. right? And so what I really want to do, so my live sets, one time I played Lido in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, how'd you get that? That's a, like a Latin music. Uh... Lido, I don't want to give it away, though. I'm afraid people gentrify it. Lido has the best sound system in town. It is the best performing space in town uh-huh. hipsters stay out don't don't <laughs> leave it to the mexicans damn it just leave it alone yeah like it's okay if goths move in because goths awesome but please just leave your guitars away just don't gentrify my my club but it has the best <laughs> sound system and the best performance space in the whole downtown because mm. san jose has a real problem with like acoustically all the venues they're really shitty I mean, I shouldn't. Is that bad? Am I gonna get it? Am I no. gonna get in trouble? Okay, here's the thing. Every venue in San Jose, we're way over the hour. Whatever. Um, you have like concrete floors, really high ceilings, like brick walls, mm. and that's not cool. Is it wood that you need for acoustics? Better acoustics? You need like a shell, or you need some sort of treatment on the walls, and everything's so loud. So it works for some things, but you might notice in San Jose, everywhere you go, even aside from music, it's really loud, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go into like, Stritch has like the best musicians rolling through that joint. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't get in trouble if they hear. I hope not. Well, I don't see why. I think they could use some help with their sound, what's going on, because it's just like it needs like something on the wall. Like, I think it's really hard. I think for the musicians playing there, it's so acoustically bright. Am I going to get in trouble? I hope not. I don't see how... Because Stritch is like the best joint in town for live music. You sound like they're the mafia of the music scene. No, they're not. They're just the only ones who are really doing very high, high quality musical performances, live music. Who knows? Pretty soon Lido will. (laughs) I just (laughs) fucked it up. So Lido has the better sound system, though. And it, when you performed, was it in front of mostly Latinos? No, it was goth people. Goth people? Yeah. <laughs> That's my community. <laughs> that was a bit of juxtaposition to, to look That's at. That's the name of my company. <laughs> what is? Juxtapositions. Oh, is it? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting the right notes now. David yeah. Lynch, juxtapositions. Yeah, I like to, I mean, everything I do is really like. Puppies, puppies and Snoop Dogg. Yeah. But... Is, is that what encompasses Chilista? Yeah. All that? Yeah, I needed to do, like, I wanted to do an arts-based business. Like, I wanted to do this legitimately, so I filed myself a business name, got a separate bank account, juxtapositions as my company, it owns Chalista, so I don't have to put my name on everything, you know? You know what? Yep. I, I recently, I'm on that, with this podcast, like, now I have a different Gmail, now yep. I have a different yep. Twitter, I have yeah. a different Instagram. Yeah. It's like I'm living a double life now. Yeah, it's like two brands, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, it gets a little weird. Um, figuring out a decent business structure for an arts business is a little tricky. 
Yeah. It's a little tricky. I'm still sort of like, uh, <laughs> I just try to be really thorough. <laughs> and when tax season comes around, it's like, what have you yeah. put down? Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Accounting sucks with yeah. arts because there's so many transactions and there's a lot of like contracting and subcontracting. And it gets like, I have to do my accounting like every single week. Otherwise it's just horrible and they tell you keep the receipts but i'm like i'm i'm like the type that does not keep if receipts you itemize yeah yeah and i'm like i can't do it fuck me you I can't. should as long as you got your separate bank account <laughs> you have to yeah. <laughs> oh my god oh my god lito oh man lito. Keep all the god all right, all right. the next time i go there some someone's gonna be in there with like Oh no, like a ukulele or oh, something. Oh, that'd be the, the oh, worst. Oh god, what did I do? We should ban ukuleles from San Jose. What did I do? I just gentrified Lido with my cello. Single-handedly, Chalista, you did it. Shit. Yeah. Stay out. <laughs> I'll never go in there again. I'm like banning myself. But it really is probably one of the best venues in San Jose. Damn it! You know, I, 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 I never checked it out. Honestly, I I I, I wait at the uh, light like rail station. <laughs> that's the best part of any place for me. That might keep out the hipsters for a me, little bit. That's the most action I get in any night downtown. Is when they pat me down. That come off weird. I did. I gotta go. Okay. <laughs> that, that that just ended the podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh. Puppies. Puppies. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going through this weird moment of my life where when i see puppies i want it's your to uterus steal just like my, my screaming for a puppy my puppy uterus is screaming like i i would contemplate how to steal the puppy like that's how bad that's kind of messed up so you should keep your pug away from me i mean do you want a pug set there's something about pugs and bulldogs i like it's like the saliva that like they couldn't push. like exist on their own <laughs> I've I've could I've codependency issues, so that could make sense. I adopted Luna in France, so she's like an adopted pug. She's and a she, French. She has a pug. passport with stamps, like an EU passport. Oh my god! That's, yeah, it's fucking weird. I find it depressing because I don't have EU stamps on my yeah. passport. Now I know that there's a dog, a pug out there that has traveled yeah, the world more up, than actually. I have. That's kind of messed up, actually. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like your your dog is or your pug is like the uh, the most interesting instead of the most interesting man in the world your pug is the most interesting pug, pug in the world possibly and I just imagine him with like that coat and just with like she's super cool so I thought about putting together a non-profit based on I was going to call it Lunacy Productions because I realized people very often would rather give money to things like puppies than artists and I was like well I could just funnel money to like all my idealistic artistic endeavors by like somehow wrapping my puppy into an arts based nonprofit. genius I should do that because there's like bark in the park there's all these things and I think like I think people prefer yeah puppies to people yeah I mean I do sometimes I can't blame them And could do all these like weird like dog centric productions. Like, what about puppy pop up opera, where opera singers carry puppies around the park and sing? My entire paycheck would go to that, like completely. See, I think, and if I had like the merch, like little stuffed animals, what do you think? Should I do it? Yeah, why not? 
Huh. Anyone out there want to so, join the board? Tell me Freya the, or Chilista. Both. Freya and Chilista. Whatever. I'm, I'm fucking it up. I'm so sorry. It doesn't matter. But uh, pretty soon, five years mm-hmm. from now, mm-hmm. you're going to be famous with this like organization of puppies and yeah stuff. Yeah, because Luna could be like a fearless advocate for artists across the world. Luna should be the mascot for she San Jose is. musicians. Well, I was kind of hoping she would be the mascot of San Jose in general. There you go. We should put her like on like. The should I do it? Should I do Luna C Productions? Last I heard, San Jose is looking for a new logo. Why not? Luna. There you go. Luna sitting underneath like the light tower. <laughs> yes. Why can't we have the light tower in St. James Park? Like that's a perfect tech project Mm -hmm. where it's like let's come together as a community and build an icon something from the past but it should be in st james park because i think sounds like pushing for their stupid city hall as the icon but it's not working so let it go so like the light tower everyone knows it's got a great history and we could all build it together with tech industry involved too in st james park as a central hub there you go people listen to freya She's got it down. She has it. This town is for the dogs. This town is for the that's, <laughs> what, that's, what, that's the slogan right there. <laughs> Mascot is Luna, and then under her, the slogan, this town is for the dogs. Yeah. Puppies on parade. <laughs> oh, my God. So this can be a two-parter. A two-parter? Yeah. Oh, um, As an episode? Yeah. No, it's just one long saga. That's what it is. Oh, wow. So it's, it's going to be... The light tower is a good icon because there's a lot of talk about San Jose needs a landmark, an icon, right? See, I feel like we have so many small landmarks. Like what? Like the I don't know, the Mexican Heritage Plaza. I like that building. Well, I think the uh, thing about San Jose is it's such a large city that yeah. there's lots of different neighborhoods. But I think you need a unifying emblem. I think towns, cities need that kind of thing. I really think the light tower is that emblem because it has the history. Um, it was meant to rival like the Eiffel Tower, right? I don't know. I think so. I think like reconstructing the light tower in, in downtown as like a beacon, you know, that would be... See, it's super hard because our city, or yeah, our city, San Jose, is, is the airport is so close to downtown. So there's only like a limitation of how high a building sure. can be. right, right. Which I didn't know it was weird to have an airport so close to a metropolitan area. Like, my international friends were like, dude, it's so weird. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? You're from Shanghai. It, it is weird. And they're like, no, man. Like, we never see airplanes coming this close. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it is weird. But yeah, we do need, we need an icon. We need, we need a logo. We need something. We need a brand. We need a brand. We need a battle flag. Well, I think what San Jose really needs is a freaking, like, a mission statement. There is no long-term vision in San Jose. I think that's why it has so many sustainability issues. No one's thinking beyond, like, three, four, five years. Hmm. And um, if you don't have an overall, like, vision or mission for your city, how can it really grow? How can it develop? We're going through, like, a boom right now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's feeling it. I am. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. It's scary, right? <laughs> yes and no. Actually, yes. Because with, with the boom comes a lot of responsibility to deliver. Well, you don't want it to, to bust. Yeah. But how do we like put in support structures that allow for healthy growth for a city? 
Mm. And that comes with like for me like subsidized housing, which would be like the preeminent thing. Well, it should be. I mean, a community that doesn't make room for everyone is yeah. not a community. And there's already such a huge discrepancy in income around here. It's disgusting. So you have to have things like that in place, and that should be like on the forefront, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, your growth is just—it's gonna max out. It's gonna bust. Yeah. I don't know. But I, 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 I really feel I, that Luna's gonna change all that. I feel like I should do it. I feel like I should. Is she going to be like the album art and the cover? I don't know, but I could. You know how they had like jingle cats back in the day? Like, no, what are those? A chorus of cats singing Christmas carols. Is that like a YouTube internet thing? Yeah. Cat videos? It it was like 15 years ago. Wow. They put out like a CD of jingle cats. So I could have like puppies doing barking. Do you know the way to San Jose? Don't you think it's telling that like our theme song is "Do you know the way to San Jose?" With a big question mark in in the title of the song. That to me totally (laughs) encapsulates everything about Uh, San Jose in terms of sustainability that's going on. It's like we need a neat, like we need a logo, we need an icon, and we need a new theme song. There you go. So, listeners, if you have any ideas for Freya, book her now. She she has. The future of San Jose in her mind. She has it all. She has the pug. I just really like it here. <laughs> but I'd like to see... Well, I think my, my... See, a part of me is so proud. It's like, yeah. But a part of me is like, why? Well, I think what I'm concerned about is all these issues are political issues, right? Like growth, um, the sustainability issues, subsidized housing, things like that. All the things that enable me to make a living as an artist are very, very political. And so... If, my artist friends can't afford to live here if they're displaced i don't work Mm. that's an economic reality Mm -hmm. like arts it's it's something that should be talked about like you i don't do art just for fun i don't do it i do it for a living when there are no artists in a community you don't make a living you don't get gigs you don't get hired you know so for me like that's the thing art is super political when you look at like the first thing city do cities do sometimes to like attract talents or whatnot, they throw a lot of money at the arts, you know, like so they can do one off events to make it seem like a very vibrant cultural place, but they haven't put in support structures to keep artists living in the area. So you bring in you bring in people, people move in, right? Mm-hmm. And then like rents are escalating, but those artists can't afford to stay in the area. So you have all this, all these people coming in and then the artists are gone. And then you have that same sort of like collapse. Right. Mm -hmm. So all these issues are super, they're political. Yeah. These. However, getting rid of struggling artists, wouldn't that kind of alter? I'm just kidding. (laughs) What? (laughs) I I, I, I was about to defend uh, displacing artists. It's like, we need struggling artists. Don't you understand Freya? They will always struggle with or without anyone's help. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those jokes I come up with and halfway I'm like, nope, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's you. okay. Thank you. I think like your struggle with the joke was kind of funny. Was it? Yeah. Well, funny. Like the self-awareness that it wasn't that funny was pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I think the joke is right now. I think this entire podcast I'm doing is a joke. I think. This day. isn't working. No, but that's the key, right? Because you make these joke projects, so I'm making this joke project. You're pushing something that's not working right now. 
Do you want to talk about dogs? Let's talk about dogs, yeah. Okay. Where, where are we at with dogs? People will fight subsidized housing tooth and nail, won't they? If there's dogs involved, yes. No, they won't if there's dogs. Hence, the, we should start the nonprofit. Uh-huh. Lunacy Productions. It's like, I'm telling you, people, when they hear about displacing, like... Puppies, they're going to freak the fuck out. Exactly. So Save every puppy needs an artist to take care of it. So we can, like, wiggle it in, like, give this puppy a home, but actually giving an artist a home but you just don't talk about that exactly. part yeah and then people are like yeah i'll give money to puppies you just don't you you eliminate the human factor that people evidently don't care that much about and uh yeah lunacy productions 501c3 ready <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen what if it happens then we'll cross that bridge when we get there really i yeah. don't know if i'm i'm not so into nonprofits. I'm kind of, I kind of feel like arts, like, cause I'm so like, arts is for profit. Like everyone makes money off of artists, but artists, but <laughs> artists yeah. should be for profit. Like, yeah. I kind of, and I see like, I feel like nonprofits, man, they sure eat up a lot of grant money and I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how the regulations are out here for nonprofits, but it's like somewhat questionable sometimes. You're like, where's all this money going? I'm, I have a friend, which I'm pretty close to losing a friendship because of this whole nonprofit thing. Because he really is pushing me to join him in making a nonprofit. Well, and I'm like, all right, what is it? He's like, I don't know. But the point is, we're gonna make money. No, it's like, no, it's not the point. Like, what, what are we doing? He's like, oh, we're, 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 we're producing short films uh-huh. or documentaries well, about the, about people in situations. But like, all right, but what exactly? You don't have a script. You don't have nothing. And he's like, Jorge. That's what you're here for. I'm like, go oh, fuck yourself. I'm out. <laughs> well, I think it's okay. I mean, we need people need funding a lot. So, I really think like I'm trying to run my company like a for benefit business, where I really think all businesses should be running in the same manner as a nonprofit, with a mission statement, core values, like a board of advisors, and staying on track. And you should give some money. You should do philanthropic things. Every for-profit business should operate in some manner like a non-profit mm-hmm. that's what i think like yeah. makes sense to give back to the community that you're based on yeah like locally diy like punk rock and it, it's interesting that you want a board of directors in your company i think everyone needs like some advisors and to make sure that you are staying within your core values and your mission statement and you can't do that on your own i think you do need to have people help you yeah that's but having a clear mission statement also that takes a lot of work you know sometimes that's an evolving thing comes to mind i had a conversation with an artist recently and he said you know there's a responsibility when it comes to being an artist yeah Uh, and it really hit something in me because there is a bit about like you have mm-hmm. your art and sometimes you, you you steer away a bit but you have those core values they need to maintain if you want to make you know a living out of yeah does that make sense yeah well i think i think um what's uh viable like economically about music and arts is that it absolutely relies on the strength of your community so like I can't make music with other people if I don't have other artists who are able to live and stay in an area and also create more gigs for me and sort of a self-sustaining model that maybe is not the most profitable but it is sustainable and it is like long-lived and it is community building 
mm. in the most honest way. Yeah. I mean, that's something when you look at startup culture, when I think about success for a business, I feel like a lot of businesses could stand to learn a lot from music makers and art makers about what it truly is to profit, to be sustainable. Or you know, to create. To create. Pro- companies, what are they doing? They're creating products. They are. We all have services. Like musicians have a service. Exactly. Um, artists have physical products to sell. I mean, it's the same same stuff. Same stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. You have I'm, a long road. I'm idealistic. So, five years from now, where do you see yourself? Um, I would really like to be the artistic director of a performing arts company. I would like to own a space within San Jose, a small space where artists can go for creative refuge to gain like professional development, to have a space to rehearse and perform with no charge. Um, I like to put on productions, like to create jobs for other people. Do you know Red Poppy Art House in San Francisco? No, what, what about it? It's this very tiny, small incubator for the arts in the Mission District. Mm. And it's just the amount of artists who have flowed through it. It's incredible. Um, it's just small. It's sustainable. But it's a safe place to take a creative risk. And I, wanna, I want to own something like that in San Jose. Like a small oh, it's like production outreach program. Um, so that's what I'm working toward. Uh, I hope that happens. I don't see anything like that in San Jose right now, where it's truly like about professional development and that's small and mm. owned by artists, because you have to own the spaces you create in, because everyone sees it with like eviction rents going up, you know, these issues of gentrification and displacement. Artists have to own the spaces they live in mm. and that they create in. So yeah, I would. I hope. I hope what I'm kind of working towards or what I, my intent is in the next five, ten years, I want to own a space like that and a small space. So I hope it happens. I'll call it the Juxtapositions Art House. I hope so too. I hope so too. Because that would be an awesome place. Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, who yeah. knows? Maybe in the future I'll be having a shitty day and I'll be like, Freya, can I just come over and yeah play. that's what i hope though and that's what <laughs> that's like what anno domini did for me though that uh-huh. day like it was a safe place to go and like take a risk and be you know like it's a refuge you know like san jose was made up of missions they mm-hmm. were refuges we need that mm-hmm. right so we'll see i hope it happens right now i still want to perform and stuff so i've got to get that out of my system but yeah the goal is something small and sustainable that incubates arts all over san jose and can go can go beyond san jose and be a model for other communities so that's my goal that's so awesome yeah Brian, yeah had had fun yeah had a good time yeah uh thank you again for coming and for uh for <laughs> for, for for uh making coffee yeah. um <laughs> anytime i'm so embarrassed i'm so sorry you just call me and i'll make coffee my personal barista <laughs> i'm kidding it was a joke uh, all right. You know and how I, sometimes your jokes don't work. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Oh my god, it's a all long right. podcast. Ah, uh, don't worry. People, be, I'm surprised. Some people just listen. It. I'm surprised in general they listen to it. They're like, yeah. I was like, cool. 
All right, Freya, thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, please check out Freya and her album next fall. Yeah. So, uh, but still, you can catch uh, her stuff on Instagram. They can follow you on Instagram. Yeah, my website's usually up to date. So, Chalista.net. I usually have upcoming gigs, performances. They can follow you on, on Twitter as well. They can follow me on Twitter. I recently deleted my Facebook, but I do have a fan page on Facebook. What's that about? Because um, Facebook has helped me a lot when well, it comes to getting... Uh, I still have my fan page. So you can okay. still find me. It's like Facebook, Chalista.music. When I was running a comedy open mic, Facebook was my go-to to book com- comedians or to actors or to, like, you know, when I was working. Yeah. As- no, I still have the fan page. I just don't have the personal one. I just, like, let my um, my 18-year-old niece run my, my social media. <laughs> Maybe she... Dude, I have, I have a, a, a nephew, and he's so smart with computer gadgets mm-hmm. I was like you know what? yeah this guy could probably run it better than I do yeah oh yeah so back to bye, bye. oh yeah <laughs> that's what we're doing <laughs>